Um, I just, uh, it's exciting to be talking a little bit about the topic of um, B'nai Yaakov, but really more primarily um, the roles and responsibilities of B'nai Yaakov, of B'nai Yisrael, um, specifically from the vantage point of the brachot that Yaakov Avinu gives in this uh, upcoming week's parsha. Um, if you think about this upcoming week's parsha, Parshat Vayichi, there really are three main sections. Um, the parsha begins with Yaakov Avinu um, instructing Yosef that after his death, he should bury him in Eretz Yisrael. Um, subsequent to that, Yaakov Avinu blesses Yosef's children and then ultimately all of his children. And then the parsha really ends off with um, Yaakov Avinu unfortunately passing away, um, and uh, Yosef and his brothers bringing Yaakov's body back to Eretz Yisrael, burying him there, and the Parsha ends with uh, the conclusion of the death of Yosef as well. Um, and so the Parsha really has three main sections, um, the brachot kind of centering in the middle, and this process of burying Yaakov Avinu um, kind of bookending those brachot. So what we're going to focus on primarily um, is the bra- is kind of the theoretical background or the perspective behind the brachot um, that could be found in the middle of the in the middle of the parsha. Um, and then we'll try to understand a little bit perhaps why this instruction from Yaakov Avinu at the beginning of the parsha and at the end of this week's parsha um, really seems to frame um, these brachot that are found in the middle. So um, I'm going to share my screen. We have some Makoros that will that we'll be learning together. Um, and uh, here we go. Um, so the parsha begins with sorry, Parag Memtet of this week's Parsha, which really is the middle of this week's Parsha, um, begins with, with a set of psukim, um, where Yaakov Avinu instructs all of his sons to, to come towards him. Vayikra Yaakov el bana, vayumer heya asfu, vayagid alachab, eit asher yakral etzchem ba'acharit hayamim. And that Yaakov Avinu calls to his sons, and he says, come towards me, gather together, and I will tell you what will happen ba'acharit hayamim. I will tell you what will happen at the end of days. Um, and many of us may be familiar with Rashi there that, that says that Yaakov Avinu potentially wanted to reveal the time of Mashiach, potentially wanted to reveal the time um, of the cates, the end, um, where, where things would kind of unfold and look differently, but that he was not permitted to do so. Um, but another perspective, perhaps, is that Acharit Hayamim refers to actually the concept of brachot. Because if you think about what a bracha is, when a parent blesses a child, when a teacher blesses a student, a bracha potentially is a wish or a desire that that child, that that individual has for the person that they are giving a blessing towards. But perhaps it's also some sort of prophetic version to some degree or some desire to predict what the destiny of that um, of what that individual is going to be. And in the case of Yaakov, I think we can definitely say that. That when Yaakov Avinu calls his sons and says, mm-hmm. that I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the end of days, he's not only saying, oh, what the end of days is going to look like generally in terms of Mashiach, as Rashi seems to indicate, but actually what each of your own personal destinies will be. What are you going to be reflected about what what are you going to be viewed as and so then he calls his son and says gather together and listen to Yisrael your father so that I could tell you exactly um, what is going to be for you at the end um, and what follows between source one and source two from Pasuk Bet to source to Pasuk Chavchat um, is the brachot 
is these kind of testimonies that Yaakov gives to his children, these blessings that he gives to his children um, about what they're going to become. And so we could, in theory, go through each bracha um, of each of the different shvatim. There are definitely some major questions that come up in terms of the brachot that Yaakov gives. Why was it that he gave malchot to Yehuda? Why was it that um, Shimon and Levi perhaps are discussed specific ways? And there are major questions that can be dealt with, um, but those are not going to be our topic this morning. You're welcome uh, to find other amazing shares that deal with those questions. Um, but what we're going to look at is this final pasuk at the end of at the end of the brachot. That the brachot conclude with a pasuk kol elashitei Yisrael shneiamasar. These are the twelve. These are the uh, tribes of Bnei Israel. They are twelve. Vezod asher diber lahem avihem. This is what their father spoke to them. Vayvarich utam. He blessed them. Ish asher kibir chatobi rachotam. Each one, according to his own bracha, he blessed them. Um, and there's a major question that comes up when looking at this Pasuk, at Pasuk Chavtet, which is why do we need this double Lashon? Why do we need what seemingly appears to be um, repetitive language? When we're trying to say that Yaakov Avinu blessed his children, it's enough to say, he blessed them. Why do we need this extra phrase of ish asher kibir that each one, according to his own bracha, he blessed them? Um, and so the Sferno offers a very beautiful approach in Source 3, where he says, natan bracha lo That what does it mean that he blessed them generally and that each one he blessed according to their own bracha? The Sferno says that Yaakov Avinu gave each one Bracha tzricha lo a bracha that they specifically needed for themselves, that they individually needed for themselves. That it wasn't that Yaakov Avinu looked at the general collective of his sons and said, I bless all of you with Malchus, with Torah, with Avoda, with Parnassah, and you'll figure out eventually which one's bracha is more appropriate for which. But actually, it was different. Yaakov Avinu looked at each of his sons and said, I believe that you are destined, that your bracha, your destiny at the end of days is going to be specifically for Malchus. And he says, that he looked at his son Yisachar and he said, your destiny for your Shevet is going to be that you're going to be focused primarily on Torah. And Levi, specifically with the idea of Avoda. That Yaakov Avinu could have said, I have X, Y, and Z brachot that I want to give to all of my children. And we'll see that perhaps some leader sources seem to indicate that he tried to do that and he did it in a certain way. But that Yaakov Avinu didn't just look at this collective of B'nai Yisrael of B'nai Yaakov that he wanted to see and group them all together and say, here, all my children, these are all of the brachot that I want you to have. Here you go. I'm going to bless all of you with all of these brachot. But instead, he has a different approach. And he says, actually, no, I'm going to give this son this bracha. And I'm going to give this one this bracha. And I'm going to give this one that bracha. And there's a medrash that comments, that doesn't comment on the sforno, but adds beautifully to the sforno in source four. Which says, "Kevan shebirich kol echad veechad kefitzarcho asa otan shvatim shneemar kol ela shivta Yisrael." The idea that Yaakov Avinu looked at each of his children and blessed each one of them kefitzarcho according to their needs caused them to become shvatim. 
just like it says in the Pasuk, these are the Shvatim of Israel. Meaning that it wasn't only that Yaakov Avinu looked at each child and said, this is what your destiny is going to be for your Shevet throughout the years. But that because he did that, because he looked at each of his children and said, this is going to be your strength, and this is going to be your strength, and this is going to be your role and your purpose. From that experience, that's what created the Shvatim. Because what happened was, was that the Shvatim in particular, each one had their own strength, each one had their own koach, each one had their own role, and each one had their own purpose. And so instead of all of these sons kind of wondering, what's my job? What's my job? What am I going to become? What am I going to become? And then it just becoming this collective mush. Instead, Yaakov Avinu gave each, bra- each son a specific bracha, and that's what turned them into a shevet. That's what turned them into this entity unto themselves, that they had their own destiny, that they had their own purpose, something that bound them together, as opposed to only it being the general klal of B'nai Yisrael. That it wasn't only that we have B'nai Yisrael that are great at Torah and Avodah and Parnassah and all and Malchus and all of these things, but that there's also some level of pride that's created for each son, but after that, for each shevet, where each shevet has a specific role, where each shevet has a specific focus. And that idea of paying attention to the specific, um, the specific strength of each of those children and ultimately of their shvatim creates this concept of shivtei Yisrael, where each individual son has their own specific unique purpose, their own specific unique mission that is different than their brothers. And because it is different from their brothers, it allows there to be a certain level of pride within each individual Shevet. Rav Salavitcha, quoting the, the Ramban in Source 5, explains the following idea. He says, each of Yaakov's sons had disparate qualities with unique and often ca- clashing character traits. Ramban indicates that they all fused together to form Knesset Yisrael, which emerged through combining 12 contradictory traits into one coherent unit. What Rosalvichik points out is that what Yaakov Avinu did wasn't only to say, you each have your own mission, and that's going to create Shevet pride on top of this pride of being the sons of Yaakov, but that actually these qualities of each of the Shvatim could have in theory been contradictory to each other, could have actually clashed with each other. If you think about the partnership that we always view as a beautiful partnership between Yisachar and Zavulin, where Yisachar's role was to focus on Torah and Zavulin's role was to focus on the, par- the Parnassa side, to focus on making money that he would ultimately share with Yisachar, Yisachar and we view it as a, view- as a beautiful productive partnership. In theory, though, if you actually think about Yisachar and Zavulin, Yisachar's approach to life is to sit and learn Torah full-time, where Zavulin's approach to life is to sit and earn a Parnassah full-time. And in theory, you could see those two approaches to life clashing with each other. Does that work for somebody to say, I'm going to devote my full focus to this and another Shevet living directly next door to say, I'm going to focus my full effort on this? In theory, those could have clashed with each other. They had totally different qualities, totally different focuses. And what Rabban comes along and says, Yaakov Avinu didn't only say, you each have your own quality, your own mission, your own Shevet pride. But that what he said was, each one has value. 
That it's not that one lifestyle is better than the other or one trait is better than the other. It's not that we have malchus and avoda, that we have people that are in charge of leading the nation, perhaps militarily in terms of running the state and individuals that are in charge of working on the avoda in the Beit HaMikdash. And those two things potentially are like a clash for power. Who's more important, the king or the going gadol? In theory, that could have been a major clash. But instead, Rav Salvechik and the Ramban point out that what Yaakov Avinu did was say, no, each one of you have your purpose. And because each one of you have your purpose, each one of you should value each other. And not only should you value each other, each one of you have a specific role to play in what's called Knesset Yisrael. And this idea of Knesset Yisrael, of each one of them having 12 contradictory traits, says the Ramban, that became one coherent unit that worked together to become what we ultimately are, is that Yaakov Avinu, in essence, was like creating a recipe. Says Rav Salvechik, when, when Jacob bestowed the earlier blessings to his children, each blessing was like an individual ingredient in a recipe. This final recipe was given to all of the tribes to assimilate all of the ingredients into that recipe. When the ingredients combined, Knesset Yisrael emerged. When you think about baking, I'm not a great baker, to be totally honest. I'm not super precise when it comes to, to, to making things. I'm much more of a cook. I like just being able to dump, jump, dump things in and there and kind of not have to rely so much on measurements. But when you think about it, when it comes to baking a particular recipe, if you leave out the vanilla or you leave out the salt or you leave out a, the sugar even, the recipe tastes fundamentally different. And where Rav Salvechik is coming along and saying, comparing Yaakov Avinu's giving his bracha to each of his children, what Yaakov, and comparing it to an ingredient and a recipe, is that if one ingredient is left out, the entire recipe, the entire experience looks fundamentally different. And so what Rav Salvechik is pointing out is that each one was necessary. Each one of these character traits that in theory were contradictory to each other, that in theory didn't necessarily work together. Each one of these character traits was critically important for what ultimately emerged, which was Knesset Yisrael. And I think if you look at this approach, it's a fascinating approach that in some ways differs, um, perhaps from Yaakov's father, Yitzchak. And that Rav Hirsch at the beginning of Parsha's Toldos, when he's analyzing um, Yaakov and Esav, Rav Hirsch points out that perhaps Yitzchak and Rivka faltered to some degree, that perhaps they looked at an Esav, an Esav and tried to raise him like a Yaakov. And when that didn't go so smoothly, Esav kind of went on his own pathway and completely moved away from his own, from, from following in the path of his father and mother. And says Rav Hirsch at the beginning of Parsha's Toldos, perhaps if Yitzhak and Rivka had recognized who Esav actually was, perhaps then they would have been more successful in raising him to, to kind of fit into what they ultimately hoped for. And Yaakov Avinu, when he's looking at each of his sons, doesn't say one of you is more important than the other, or one of you is more has more kind of value than the other. But instead, Yaakov Avinu looks at each of his sons with this revolutionary approach of each one of you has what to offer and each one of you has what to share. And because of that, Yaakov Avinu is successful in creating this entity of Knesset Yisrael where everyone has their own unique place and their own unique value and their ability to contribute. And already from the beginning, of Knesset Israel and ultimately of B'nai Yaakov, of B'nai Israel, of what we ultimately become. 
we have this fundamental belief that each member of Klal Yisrael is valuable and each member of Klal Yisrael is important and each member of Klal Yisrael has what to contribute, even if we're so different than the person living next door to us or the person living across the street from us or the person living on the other side of the world from us. Each one of us has our own unique traits that we have to contribute. And already from the beginning of the creation of Knesset Yisrael, Yaakov Avinu set that into the system. That's what he desired for each and every one of us. The Medrash Lekach Tov, actually, adjusts what we've been saying a little bit. And the Medrash Lekach Tov says at the end um, of the source in source six, um, really explaining all of the different brachot of each one gets. The Medrash Lekach Tov says, um, that each individual was blessed according to their own bracha, that the bracha included all of them. The Medrash reads this last pasuk and says, it's not that each bracha, each individual was blessed according to their bracha, where you could have just said, but the end of the pasuk is, each one of them was blessed according to their own bracha, and he blessed them. Says the Medrash, pointing out so beautifully, that each bracha of each of the different shvatim didn't only impact them themselves, but it actually impacted the rest of the collective. That because Yehuda was blessed with Malchus and was blessed in Eretz Yisrael with having seor, with having a certain type of grain, and because Naphtali was blessed with speed, and because Levi was blessed with Avoda, etc., the rest of Klal Yisrael was blessed also. It wasn't only that each individual Shevet was blessed with his certain role, and then that fused to become Knesset Yisrael, and each one acted or interacted with each other in silos, that they just interacted only with their own Shevet and focused on their own role. But that because Yaakov Avinu identified a koach for each one, identified a role for each one, identified a purpose for each one, the rest of the collective was blessed as well. And that, says the Medrash, is the reason for each brother was blessed with the success of the other brother. And if you think about it, what was at the root cause of the experience between Yosef and his brothers a few parashiot ago? The concept of jealousy. Yosef's brothers were jealous of him. Yosef's brothers were jealous of his, what he was predicting was ultimately going to happen to him vis-a-vis his brothers. And that prompted this long ending story that only is really concluding now of the brothers selling Yosef, going back to their father, this whole experience of going down to Mitzrayim, et cetera. But at the root cause of that issue was the under, was perhaps the idea that the brothers viewed Yosef as a threat. They didn't view Yosef's success as their own success. They thought our brother's going to be ruling over us or saying he's going to ruling over us. That's going to be bad for me. That's going to be bad for us. And so they took that and they said, we can't have that. Let's do something about it. What the Medrash is pointing out is that Yaakov in his final days with his sons is turning and pointing out to his children you misunderstood. Just because you have 11 other brothers, Naphtali, just because you, Yehuda, have 11 other brothers and maybe a Yosef that's going to seem like he's going to overcome you or something like that. 
just because that exists, just because they have strengths and those strengths may seemingly be the same as yours or different than yours, doesn't mean they are a threat to you. Doesn't mean that's something you should be jealous of. And at the end of his life, Yaakov Avinu tries to correct that approach, tries to turn to his children and say, no, that's not the case. If your brother is successful, you are successful also. You are blessed through your brother's bracha. Hakalil habracha likulam. Each brother is included in his own bracha. And so that changes the entire experience of the brothers, and that changes the entire experience of Shifta Yisrael, which is that it's not a threat. And it's not viewed as a threat. And it's not viewed as a thing of jealousy. Oh, that brother is more successful in growing olives. Oh, no, how is that going to impact my business? No, says Yaakov Avinu. Each of you are blessed through the success of your brothers. And each of you would, should want each of your brothers to be successful because you're each components in this recipe. You're each components in Knesset Yisrael. And the success of each other will predict the ultimate success of B'nai Yisrael, of Klai Yisrael. Rav source 7 seemingly points to some Kabbalistic idea with regard to the number 12. Rav source 7 explains, Kol elahim shiftei Yisrael, v'heim monim shnayim asar. Each of these are the shvatim of B'nai Yisrael, and when you count them, they are 12. Lo pachot v'lo yoter, not more and not less. Einam shlosha asar, they are not 13. Kasher Yosef When Yosef and his two sons, Menashe and Ephraim, take the place of him in the Midbar, it's not that we turn into 13 shvatim, but we still call B'nai Yisrael the, the 12 shvatim. V'gam lo achad asar, we don't become 11. B'hashmatah re'uvein, when re'uvein is kind of degraded. Kulam heim shimtei Yisrael, each one of them is a shevet of Yisrael. Chalakim bilti nifradim mehaklal meyisod Yisrael. Each one of the 12 is a chalak, is a portion, is an imp- a critical component from the klal. Meyisod Yisrael, shnei masar amudim shtulim biyad Hashem b'chika itim sh'alehem yakum binyan ha'oma. Each one of the 12 is a fundamental pillar, is a piece of the foundation that the nation is ultimately built on top of. And Rav Hirsch is pointing out is this idea that each shevet is critically important and that one can't be added and one can't be subtracted. But there's a beauty in the number 12 and the 12 of, of the shvatim to really become, the 12 B'nai Yaakov to really become the foundation upon what each one rests upon. And he points out later on, Birkat Yaakov l'kol achad mibanav, hayta shakol achad yimtzab rachav ha'osher, al yidei sheisha'er ne'eman l'yishuto ha'bratit ha'yichudi. That on the one hand, the brachot of Yaakov, to kind of summarize what we've been saying until now. On the one hand, the brachot of Yaakov to, all of his, to each of his children allowed each one success to find their own blessing and their own wealth in staying true to their own qualities. That was one piece. Yaakov looked at each of his sons and said, you have this strength, you have this koach, I'm going to allow you to find wealth, I'm going to allow you to find success, I'm going to allow you to find blessing in what you're already good at. But simultaneous to that, says Rav Hirsch, simultaneous to each one finding success, as we've been saying until until this point, was also the bracha that each one should benefit from the general bracha of the tzibur, that each, that the tzibur should be enhanced by the individual brachot of each of the sons. The medrash 
and Sefer Tehillim, commenting on Sefer Tehillim, um, Pei Aleph, tries to understand when Bilam is blessing B'nai Yisrael, why he look, why he uses Yaakov as the father for which he ultimately blesses B'nai Yisrael. And the Medrash asks, Why does Bilam recall Yaakov and not Avram and not Yitzchak? Says the Medrash, Bilam looked at Avram and said, Avram was successful with Yitzchak, but he also had Yishmael and the Bnei Keturah that became psola, that became extra, that had to be dealt with. And he looked at Yitzchak and he said he had Esav and all of Esav's generations come from, come, came from him. But comes along Bilam and looks at Klal Yisrael, Knesset Yisrael, the children of Yaakov and says, wow, Yaakov was successful, even with the crazy family drama that we have seen over the past four weeks, even with all of that. Yaakov was successful at the end of the day in integrating each of his sons into this final destiny. Yaakov kulo b'kedusha. Yaakov, everyone that came out of him was kadosh. Kol ela shivtai Yisrael And what the Medrash and Bamidbar explains is that Yaakov Avinu's ability to do this transforms brachot for eternity. Says the Medrash, I'll just zoom in a little bit. Says from the day that I created the world, I had someone through which I wanted the world to be best through. And so Avram blessed Yitzchak and Yitzchak blessed Yaakov and Yaakov blessed his sons. Says the Medrash, a beautiful idea, that Yaakov Avinu's ability to bless each of the Shvatim with this ultimate destiny caused the concept of being able to give a bracha to be taken out of the hands of father to child, father to child, but actually the brachot got passed on. The brachot got passed on to the Kohanim, to a much larger group of individuals that would then bless the children. And what this shows is that it wasn't just that Yaakov Avinu gave the capacity over for each one to have their own strength. But specifically in this context where the ability to bless was given over to the Kohanim that were from Shiva Levi, was that each one, the, it's a template for the fact that each one was then given the ability to bless everyone else. That the Kohanim were able to then come and bless the rest of Yaakov's children. And Yehuda was able to come and lead the rest of Yaakov's children. And Yisachar was able to come and learn for the rest of Yaakov's children. That it wasn't only that Yaakov Avinu said you're going to be blessed through them, but he gave each one something actively to contribute. The brachot were passed on not from father to child and father to child, but to a much larger group that then had something to contribute as a template for what, for what everyone else could in theory do. What I want to suggest before we move on to the second portion of the, the shear is that perhaps this idea that Yaakov Avinu was trying to teach his children about the fact that each one has value, each one has their own place, each one has their own purpose, 
Each one has a role that they can play. Explains the bookends at the beginning and the end of this week's Parsha. That Yaakov Avinu, before he passes away, instructs Yosef, please make sure that my bones make it to Eretz Yisrael. And there are some that explain that Yaakov wanted that because he didn't want to linger an extra moment in Mitzrayim. But I think you could also suggest that Yaakov Avinu was setting in place for his sons something that he thought would test them, but also teach them a lesson, which is that Yaakov Avinu in the middle of this week's Parsha, after instructing Yosef, go with your brothers and bury me. Yaakov Avinu in the middle of this week's Parsha is trying to teach them the lesson. Each one has your own value. Each one has your own role. Each one has your own purpose. Don't view the other as a threat. Work together to become Knesset Yisrael. And so what is the end of this week's Parsha? Their first task of working together. They need to get Yaakov's body up back to Eretz Yisrael. And it's not that just Yosef is responsible for that. And it's not that just Yosef had so much money, he could have gone with all of his servants and not a single other brother accompanied him. It would have been totally fine. But instead, Yaakov Avinu puts the brother's first test in. Are they going to realize that they have to work together? And after Yaakov Avinu's death, what do we see? That the brothers get nervous. Oh no, our father's gone. How is Yosef going to interact with us now? And Yosef reassures them, no, I know this was all part of Hashem's plan. You don't need to worry that I'm going to get back at you. You don't need to worry that this is all going to fall apart. But instead, what Yosef does is say, I absorbed my father's message. And it's a message that all of you should absorb as well. That we together have to work together to bring the destiny of Klal Yisrael forward. And so the first task that they're given to bring the destiny of Klal Yisrael forward is to bury their father is to bring him back up to Eretz Yisrael. It's their first joint task, their first joint endeavor, which in some ways sets the basis for what Klal Yisrael is supposed to be for the rest of eternity. The Klal Yisrael is supposed to be a nation where each individual is valued, each individual has what to contribute, where we can work together to ultimately achieve the highest level of success. And so... I think the question that we always have to discuss at the end of a, um, of a, of a Sefer Bereshis is that we end off Sefer Bereshis with being B'nai Yisrael, with being B'nai Yaakov, with being the children of Yaakov. That's who we are. We're not, when we think about and reflect on who we are, we're not B'nai Avram. We call ourselves B'nai Yisrael. We call ourselves Kal Yisrael. We call ourselves the children of Yaakov. And so the I think that to some degree, we can answer that with some of the ideas that we've already set up until this point, that perhaps what Yaakov Avinu did for a first understanding, and then we'll move into two more main ideas, that perhaps we're called B'nai Yisrael because Yaakov Avinu realized that what a nation needs is a many different people to work together with their own strengths. And that in order for us to be successful of a nation, we need to buy into that approach, that approach to some degree that begins with an individual that believes in the concepts of Chanukh, Lenar, Alpi, Darko, to have each one have their own strength, to teach them according to their own strength. But also this idea that each one has what to contribute, each one has a purpose, each one has a mission. And so perhaps one reason we're called B'nai Israel, we're called B'nai Yaakov, we're called Kalal Israel is because our template for our message of who we are as a nation is set up by Yaakov Avinu himself. I'm going to skip down for a second to Rabbi um, Dr. Torsky Zetzal, who has a beautiful idea actually in his Sefer on Tefillah. And Rabbi Torsky asks, we'll come back perhaps to source 10 in a moment, but Rabbi Torsky asks, 
um, is exactly our question. Why do we refer to ourselves as the children of Yisrael, as the children of Yaakov? And his answer is a very fascinating answer. He says, where do we find the greatness of Jacob? He says, the patriarchs Abraham and Isaac were extraordinarily great, superhumanly great. The Torah account of Jacob is that he was humanly great. Jacob prayed for God's protection and for his own personal needs. Jacob loved Rachel. Jacob accepts his disappointment when he was denied Rachel. Jacob became angry when he disputed with Lavan. Jacob was afraid of Esau. Jacob feared the reprisal of the Canaanim. After surviving those ordeals, Jacob hoped for tranquility and instead suffers years of grief and anguish. Points out Rabbi Abraham J. Torsky so beautifully that Yaakov Avinu was, we see at least, that Yaakov Avinu was our most human ancestor. Yaakov Avinu in the shot of the Psukim experiences the most number of emotions. Yaakov Avinu experiences disappointment. Yaakov Avinu experiences love. Yaakov Avinu experiences anger. Yaakov Avinu experiences fear. Yaakov Avinu experiences grief and anguish. Yaakov Avinu in the shot of the Psukim experiences so many different types of emotions. And what Rabbi Torsky points out is that that makes Yaakov the great one that he was. That Yaakov Avinu, as says Rabbi Torsky over here, we may not be put to the extreme test of Avram and Isaac, but we are subject to the emotions of Jacob, fear, love, grief, anger, disappointment, and disillusionment. What the patriarch taught us is that throughout all of this, we must remember that God is our shepherd and that he never abandons us. And he points out earlier on in the paragraph that I skipped that Yaakov asserted his belief that God had cared for him even in the years of grieving for Yosef. That Yaakov, when he speaks to Paro, consistently reaffirms that he believes that God had watched over him and had never abandoned him. And Rabbi Torsky explains, Rabbi Dr. Torsky, Abraham and Isaac were our superhuman ancestors. Jacob was our human ancestor. And as such, he was the choicest of the patriarchs. And therefore, we are the children of Israel. Says Rabbi Dr. Torsky, Yaakov Avinu was our most human ancestor. And when we think about what our mantra should be as a nation, we are the children of Yisrael. We are the children of Yisrael in that we try through all of the many different emotions that we have throughout of our lives and throughout our experiences to still believe and to still understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is always with us and that he never abandons us. And that if you think about what Yaakov Avinu had been through in his life, he could have easily had said, oh, no, this, this Hashem, he's not looking out for me. It's all out the window. It's all out the door. And each and every one of us is put through challenges and is put through tests and is put through experiences where we think to ourselves, how could this possibly be? What could possibly have come? What could possibly have happened that might have caused this thing to happen to me? Perhaps Hashem is not looking out for me anymore. But when we call ourselves the B'nai Yisrael, it means to have a derech in life about the way that we respond to challenges. It means to have an understanding that regardless of what we experience, good, bad, or otherwise, it means to have the derech, it means to have the approach, the belief that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is always with us, looking out for us regardless of the situation, regardless of the context. And I think you could apply Rabbi Torsky's approach even more broadly as well. What we've talked about in terms of Yako's ability to look and see the beauty in each of his sons or the goal of each of his sons or the destiny of each of his sons ultimately explains what 
Yaakov Avinu did for us. He paved for us a way of life. He paved for us a hashkafa. And we've tapped into one piece of his hashkafa and what we've talked about this morning, that there is so much else that we could tap into as well in terms of Yaakov Avinu's hashkafa. Rabbi Torsky here proposes a different component of Yaakov Avinu's hashkafa, which is that Yaakov Avinu experienced so many different emotions and still believed that a Kaddish Baruch who looked out for him in all of the, the different components of our lives. And so what I would encourage each and every one of us, perhaps with some later learning project, is to delve a little bit more deeply into this question of what it means to be B'nai Yisrael, of what it means to be B'nai Yaakov, of what it means to be part of Klal Yisrael, but specifically B'nai Yisrael. What does Yaakov Avinu teach us in terms of a hashkafa, in terms of an approach to life, in terms of, an, of, of what we can absorb from his experiences that we can apply to our own lives as something we can move forward with of a way of a derech that we can use to kind of bring our own selves forward. And the last thing that I want to get to is a piece from Rosalvichik. It's a beautiful idea and a beautiful understanding of what exactly it means to B'nai Yaakov. Rosalvichik points out in the middle of this week's parsha and parsha Vayechi that Avram and Yitzchak transmitted their spiritual heritage to their children, but not to their grandchildren. The latter received it from their fathers, but there was no direct communication between Avram and Yaakov or between Yitzchak and Reuven and Shimon. The influence of the grandfathers on their grandchildren was indirect. Yaakov, however, related directly to his grandchildren. He did not need an intermediary or an interpreter. He was a great dialogue. Yaakov the Zakin leapt over the gulf, the gulf of generations and transmitted the great Mesorah of Avraham directly to Ephraim and Menashe. Yaakov was the first to impart special blessings to his grandchildren. Says Rav Salavichik, Yaakov Avinu was fundamentally different between his, to his father and his grandfather. Yaakov Avinu passed on his own spiritual heritage, his messages, his hashkafa, his way of life, not only to his own children, but actually directly to his grandchildren. And the understanding and the idea perhaps of why we see Yaakov Avinu's bracha to an Ephraim and a Menashe is to make this specific point. That Yaakov Avinu did not just pass it on to his own children, but he created the concept of Misora. He created the concept of passing on Torah, not just to your own children, but to the next generations as well. And so to conclude, Rav Salvechik says, how appropriate, therefore, that our people be called Israel or Jacob, for it was he who created the community which ensures Jewish continuity. What preceded him were patriarchal families, but Yaakov laid the foundation for a people. Though the covenant was made initially with Avraham, it was not until Jacob that the secret of perpetuating the Mesorah was discovered. Says Ruf Salavichik, Yaakov Avinu laid the foundation for a people. He laid the foundation by showing and designing a nation where each individual could be valued, where each individual had a role, where each individual had a capacity to contribute. He laid the foundation for a nation by being a human by being a human who experienced a range of emotions, which permits us to experience those range of emotions, and ultimately to then consistently still have the belief that a Baruch Hu was in our lives, regardless of what we experience, and to believe that. 
And then ultimately, Yaakov Avinu laid the foundation for a people by ensuring that the Mesorah was passed on and that it didn't just stop from father to child, but that it was passed on to the next generation as well. And his ability to discover, as Rosalvichik says, the secret of the Mesorah allowed us to become who we ultimately are, which is B'nai Yaakov, B'nai Yisrael, Klal Yisrael. And may we be Zoha just to conclude as we enter into a week where we have a fast day, where we have Asar B'tivis this upcoming Tuesday, Asar B'tivis being the fast day that starts the, the, the cycle of the, uh, of the fast days that discuss the Chorban Beit HaMikdash. We know that the second Beit HaMikdash was destroyed due to the sins of our ancestors. And the Gemara says specifically in the realm of Sinasrina where brothers looked at each other and just hated each other for reasons that were chinam, for reasons there were no reasons. For free, hatred for free, sinat chinam. There was no reason for why they hated each other. They just didn't get along. And I think it's important specifically this week as we approach this fast day to go back and look at the message of Yaakov, to realize that each one of our brothers and sisters has what to offer and to really put that message into our lives and to really work on that avoda as we try to move forward and try to move closer towards um, binyan bayit shlishi and the coming of Mashiach.